Welcome to Authority Issues, a podcast about leadership, management, and staying the hell at home. I'm Rachel Perkins, aka Pie or Pie Bob. I'm into words, operations, cheese, and whiskey, and of course, leadership. And I'm Kendall Miller. In times of trial, tribulation, and pestilence, remember that Popeye's still has a fried chicken sandwich and that eating that sandwich will likely buy you 12 minutes of sanity. Sanity is kind of in a shortage right now. Um, so today, <laughs> today we are each other's guests. We don't have a, a third person on the podcast today. We're going to be talking about uh, the current events, the crisis, the pandemic, what, what have you, and how uh, what leadership looks like. And we're going to be world. saying some uh, an unusual amount of curse words because we're going to be also be talking about the leadership of our country in this time. And basically everything you need to know about leadership in crisis, you can just look at what's happening in the White House and do the opposite. Uh, or you can listen to this podcast where we say the same thing repeatedly and curse a lot. Uh, okay. It's a fair warning. All right. Yeah, there there is a content warning for certain. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, we were we've been talking about what we should do, uh, how we should try and respond. You know, we we just have a podcast about leadership. We don't know anything about medicine or about how to um, behave. I'm, well, other wait. Than I, I read an article jobs. on the internet about epidemiology, and I am oh. an epidemiologist now, or at least all of my friends are. I'm pretty sure that's the classic tech bro response, right? Is (laughs) they we're all smart people. We're all smart here in technology, or at least we think we are. And so, and one of the things we tend to be smart at is parsing information and and figuring out how to use it. Whether or not we should use it isn't tends not to be a question that we ask ourselves. Um, That's right. So and. A question that we ask ourselves a little more, perhaps, is do we have enough context to use this information correctly? Uh, but I don't, th- I don't see a lot of people asking themselves this question right now. Uh, no. A lot of people are trying to be relevant, whether or not they're consciously aware of that feeling. They're screaming into the void because they want to remain relevant. They want to be important in the world. Which, I mean... To their credit, we are recording a podcast that's attempting to stay relevant in the world. Oh, right. That's exactly why I went down this path. It's like, we're just, we just have this stupid podcast, right? And, and, you know, it's been great for us. And I hope the people that have been on this podcast have had fun to date. And I think they have. Uh, But, you know, we're just going to talk about this. We may or may not have anything useful to say. Yeah, well, and and I want to get into some specifics around a number of different things, and and I will say that in my media um, intake right now, I'm very careful to not listen to lots of things about uh, all the virus things, right? And we're not mm-hmm. going to be giving doom and gloom stories of what's coming. Hopefully, no. uh, we don't know enough about what's coming that I hope that we're not mm-hmm. talking about that. But we'll try to strike some balance between um, what what the reality of our lives looks like. Hopefully we can laugh a little bit and then talk about some of these topics deeply. But but I, I want to start a little bit with just um, how are you doing, Rachel? How how are you coping with all of said chaos right now? And um, mm-hmm. yeah, start there. I feel like I, I'm, I'm feeling, you know, mostly angst and guilt. Um, I don't have a ton of uh, terrible things happening to me personally right now. Uh, I was actually on a cruise ship uh, literally just over two and a half weeks ago. 
Uh, I went. I left for uh, the East Coast. I, I live currently in the Pacific Northwest. I took the train, as I always do, across the country. Uh, that takes five days to get to Florida from this side of the country, which is where the cruise left from. Uh, we kind of knew we were taking a risk at the time that we left to go on the cruise. Um, but, uh, and as far as we know, no one who was on the cruise, which was an entire themed booked cruise boat for people that we essentially know, uh, everyone knew how to wash their hands, which was awesome. Uh, <laughs> asked John Scalzi about his demonstration. Yeah. I went on the, uh, what's known as the Joko cruise, which I call the nerd boat. Anyway, we got to come back. We were among the last cruise ships that were able to dock in Fort Lauderdale. And we, I got on a train immediately from there and it was in a tiny box and came all the way home. And it took five days. And during that five days, everything started to go to shit. Like it was, I was, I was online most of the time using my phone and I, I came back. And to me, like the crisis was me worrying about whether I was going to be able to get home. Like if I was going to get stuck in, in Chicago or something or uh, yeah, but that all went fine. My husband flew back uh, the day of the, you know, he was coming back from the cruise and he was stuck in like elbow to elbow stuff in the airport in Fort Lauderdale, which I, I didn't really interact with anyone. Hmm. Thank goodness all the way home. Um, yeah. So yeah, since then, it's just been a matter of waiting, uh, staying home, which is a thing I do pretty well all on my own. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and seeing everyone's, uh, lives change as a result of this. So yeah, I, I feel okay. I feel guilty for feeling okay right now. And I know that things yeah. could get way worse in the future, but for now it's a holding pattern and we're just doing our best in this tiny town to, you know, buy a lot of takeout. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a lot more takeout than we normally do to try to support and help. those local restaurants. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What about and you, man? Well, so, man, there's there's so many different layers here. So, you know, I work from home and I know a lot of people that are like, oh, Kendall, your life didn't change at all. And I'm like, well, no, I'm a, I'm a screaming extrovert who works at home and I have coping mechanisms that almost entirely involve, you know, leaving my house regularly. I go to lunch most days of the week with, like you a, leave, with a friend yeah. or with a business uh, you know, there, it's it, there's often a work-related reason I'm meeting with a uh, potential client or someone who's done something with our company or an employee or whatever it is. I, I find reasons to leave because I have to leave to just maintain my sanity. And so I think the first week was just mourning the loss of my normal life, like being stuck at home. I had I've I went through significant withdrawal in the first week of just like I miss people. And I then know. you were you were having I, a rough time. I, I saw that. Oh man, yeah, I was I was in a really bad way. And 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 the way that I've coped with it is to just exercise like an idiot because mm. the endorphins give me enough of a high to get me through the rest of the day. Well, the problem is is you know, I, I normally run about 10 miles once on the weekend and I bike about 10 miles 5 days a week. Well, now mm. I'm I'd like to run every day, but I, my knees can't really handle that unless I dramatically tone down my mileage. I'm biking 20 miles, four days a week, five days a week, six days a week. You know, sometimes I'm biking five miles to the mountain, running five miles up the mountain, biking five miles home. And like, You're, that my, is crazy. You are crazy. Well, you know, <laughs> I think I'm down seven pounds already just in wow. the like two and a half weeks we've been here. And, uh, and, and I, I, I feel my legs going to, 
shit. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I don't want to get injured because if I'm stuck indoors, then I'm going to completely lose my mind. So I'm trying to be smart about that. And it's hard. And uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I roller coaster all the time. Sometimes I'm doing well. Sometimes I'm doing terrible. I'm coping by eating a ridiculous amount of Popeye's chicken sandwiches for whatever reason that, that, particular meal really makes me happy. It is not eating local. I'm also working hard to try to eat local to support the local restaurants, but, um, yeah, I think really you're a little further that, away from everything. No, I I'm, well, I, I'm not, I'm not close to the down. You, you live in a small right. town and you're close to the downtown. I right. do not live in a small town, but there's lots of local things nearby. Oh, that's um, good. Yeah. And you know, actually, uh, we can talk about this right now. One of the things that I did was uh, there's a, there's a Denny's that a couple of guys and myself go to about every two weeks and we eat really early in the morning and Denny's is the only thing that's open. That's why we go to Denny's. (laughs) It's not because it's the best food in the world. Uh, And you know, I've become pretty well connected to the waitress that works the night shift and waits on us and is a single mom and has two teenage kids. And you know, when this happened, I'm messaging saying, send me your Venmo and I will send you some money and support you because I can afford to right now. I don't know how long I can. And one of the things I'm wondering about is like, I have money set aside for giving always, and mm-hmm. I'm very comfortable giving that away. I'd like to be generous in this, but it's really hard to know, like, is is this two months that I can be really generous? Is this eight right? months that I maybe can't be, you know, like, and- It's uh, a difficult place to be, and it is so tinged with guilt as well. Like, oh, I am- man. What, how much are you holding back to make sure that you and yours are comfortable? How comfortable right. do we need to be? Yeah, it's, it is so hard to have those- those thoughts to to have that conversation with yourself and realize how cold blooded you're being, yeah, uh, yeah. but you got to have that conversation with yourself. You have to know yeah. where you stand on these things. Well, and it's it's interesting. You know, I've had a couple conversations with friends around. Hey, what, you know, what should we be doing in all of this? Should we just act like it's no big deal and let the economy, you know, keep going and people die? Uh, the other side is we completely lock down and the economy hits a brick wall like it has, right? And there's there's some stresses for this. Oh my goodness, being in leadership in a company when the economy literally runs into a wall is stressful because it's really damn hard to plan when you don't know what's coming. Uh, and, uh, you know, you end up having to almost plan for a worst case scenario because you don't know. And uh, so where was I going with that? <laughs> well, we were originally talking about uh, how to decide what to do with the resources that you have and how it's difficult because you don't have a lot of visibility into the future and what that's going to take from you. Right. Well, and and there's there's guilt around that, like you're saying. And I don't know, I had something really profound that I was going to go with, mm. with that, but I can't remember what it was. But um, <laughs> there's... What? <laughs> there's... I wasn't going to talk because I thought maybe you would get <laughs> You'd, you'd think all the, the dots would connect, but, uh, okay. So then let's, let's shift and talk about, uh, some of the government stuff that's going on. Right. Like, I mean, I think part of my frustration is I really just want some guidance from this, from the government that I trust. Hey, April 30th, we're going to start to open things back up. I don't care if it's May 30th or June 30th. I just need something that I trust. And the problem is, is everything that's spoken, from the top in this country, I just don't believe. And so I, and I don't think anybody believes it. And so nobody can plan around it. Uh, yeah. We don't, we don't believe that they're listening to smart people. So we don't believe that they're capable of making rational decisions. And we don't believe that it's connected to reality. Yeah, and, I agree. Uh, and I think the economy is taking a much bigger hit as a result because there, there's no confidence 
from from what's coming from the top. Well, uh, I I don't know that we're going we're even going to see what yet what uh, what the economy is going to do. There's a lot of people still hanging on. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's it again. It's it's there's not a a way to see the future, and so the advice that you could be given is <laughs> pretty variable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, everyone is incredibly frustrated with mm. how uh, the administration has handled. Uh, and we're talking about the U.S. presidential uh, administration yeah. uh, has handled this situation. There's been a lot of lying. There's been a lot of dissembling. Um, people should definitely and, not listen to the president in this in this particular situation. Well, and what's hard is like. It's not like Trump has been through a global pandemic before, right? Like, yeah. it's not like he's sat down and or he, and he's like, well, I've done this four times. This is how we get through this shit, right? Like, I mean, mm -hmm. he, he can't say that either. But uh, but I would love to see him surrounding himself with very smart people, giving data, showing trends. This is what we do know. This is why we do believe these are the things that are going to happen. This uh, is how yeah. we're going to tackle it. Was that and ever going to happen with him? No. You no. might as well ask for a pony. Fuck's sake. No. <laughs> you can get a pony, Rachel. Yeah, you're <laughs> much more likely to have a pony. That's what I said. Uh, so yeah, 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 it is, yeah. it is just how it is right now. And yeah. I, I see a lot of people expressing tremendous amount of incredulity and anger about how this has been handled. And yes, oh my goodness. Yes. This is, this is, as, as I hate to say, it's unprecedented in the levels it of is. complete catastrophe in terms of their handling of it. But I don't find that super productive at this point. Yeah. You know, no, you got to get your mad, well, you got to get your anger out somehow though. That's true. So, so talk about that. Where are you venting? How are you venting? Um, well, I, as I was saying earlier, I, I have a tremendous amount of guilt. I don't have a ton of personal stuff to vent about right now. I am huh, amusingly in the middle of buying a house, which, yeah, this is the perfect time to do that. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I don't have a lot of venting to do. I was already incredibly jaded about this administration. I'm very angry that uh, Elizabeth Warren didn't get isn't getting the nomination. Like obviously, yeah. the one person who could probably handle this the way that you're talking about is her. But um, yeah. yeah, so I, I I'm I have the same level of anger that a, an intelligent woman always has. I think it's that's my secret, Captain. I'm always fucking pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. no, I'm not venting to anyone. I have this anger locked down so hard. I don't know what to do about it, but it's yeah. not going to help. I, I also am trying to work out. I'm not really a workout kind of person, but I have been yeah. uh, weightlifting in the six months previous to this happening. And I'm, you know, doing zoom classes with, with my weightlifting coach and yep. it's helping. <laughs> yep. I feel like yep. this is like the, the yin and yang you and I are, the yin and yang of what could be happening to a to, to a leader in this situation. Like you're dying for human contact. I'm like, meh. Yeah. I feel guilty, but <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. There's, I, I had one coworker who said, you know what surprised me in all of this is finding out how much others are used to human contact because mm -hmm. I never leave my house. So like yeah. I'm kind of surprised everybody's freaking out. Like that that part didn't change for me. Sure, there's lots of other things to be stressed about, <laughs> but that part's not stressful for me. Yeah. Well, yeah. and and uh I mean, I have a couple of people at work that I vent to and a couple that I vent more openly to than others, right? Uh, we, I, I did start a, every day there's a half an hour, you know, I call it COVID, COVID office hours. And it's literally, let's just get together and talk. And there's a, there's, 
probably three, four people that join regularly. Um, one that is playing Animal Crossing like every day to cope. And I ask her for updates and she holds up her uh, Nintendo Switch and shows me, you know, That's oh, awesome. look at the cute, cute hat I built. Look at the plants I, I planted. Uh, this is what <laughs> we're, you know, and, and it's like, it's as cheesy as that is, you know, like just going, escaping to places that are mm-hmm. just like delightful. I mean, I'm reading books I'm reading Carl Hyacin books, which are all, you know, take place in the Florida Keys and it's sunny and beautiful. And like, <laughs> yes, they're they're completely ridiculous and lighthearted, uh, funny mysteries, but they take place someplace pretty. And we were watching um, Frankie and Grace, I think is the show. Oh, I uh, and it's it just takes place in a pretty place and it's on a mm-hmm. beach and I want to go to there. And uh, when I'm stuck indoors, it, it cheers me up. Yeah, but, I'm super grateful to be living somewhere pretty. It's helped a lot. It, it always helps my mood to look out and, and see something nice outside. It's one of the reasons that I live here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you're watching. So so folks who are listening to this, I, maybe you're done listening by now. But if, <laughs> if you're listening to this, we're, we're, we are we are going to talk a little bit about more specific leadership stuff in, in, uh, in a little bit. But I, we wanted to talk a little bit about how we're personally handling this, what yep. we're trying to do to distract ourselves. Um, I know b- business leadership discussion seems like kind of pointless because, you know, yes, people are literally dying and will continue to die. That's really, there's no way around that huge bummer for everyone. Yeah. Uh, but you can oh. have, a, oh, go ahead. Well, oh. that reminds me, the thought that I lost earlier oh, where I was going amazing. with it. Uh, <laughs> Well, so what? What I, do you do? You want to finish your thought first because I think I'll hold on to it this time. Okay, be sure. All right. Um, yeah. So yeah, the the point being that you can only have so much impact, um, and no matter yeah. what aspect of society you're working in, even if you're not an ER doctor, even if you're not someone who's working on you know making uh, ventilators or whatever, you should cut yourself some slack if you can. And acknowledge the feelings that you're having, including the feelings of guilt, and try and explore them to some degree because you got, you know, you've got to deal with that as you go forward. I wonder, for example, a lot about whether folks who are going through this right now, especially people who are working in the front lines uh, in terms of medical care and also in terms of working in grocery stores and delivering people's food and stuff, whether they're going to feel, have some of the same experiences that uh, war veterans have. You know, coming back to a world that doesn't necessarily appreciate yeah. as much of what they did as it seems reasonable, uh, having all those traumatic yeah. experiences in the first place. So yeah, be kind to yourself. This is a, yeah, this is a terrible time. So it's a, there was uh, something somebody put on Twitter that said, "Remember, you're not working from home in the middle of a crisis. There is a massive world crisis happening, and you're expected to work from home too." You're right? trying like it, to get it, some work done. Yeah. Yeah, you're trying to get something, and so give yourself some credit. And and I think you know. So there's a couple different things. I'm jumping all around, and I recognize this. This is. Maybe how I always am. Um, (laughs) uh, You know, productivity is going to tank. And I think as a leader, you have to ask yourself how you're going to deal with that and how you're going to accept that. And uh, there's places where, like, I'm even, I'm watching some of our folks are throwing themselves into work to distract them, 
right? And so they're being super productive because it gives them something to do. And there's other people who are just like barely hanging on and I'm sure aren't getting as much done. And, and, and I can see even that in my own day to day. There are days where I'm just crushing it and moving things forward feels good. And, you know, whatever it is, like going and tackling a problem feels good because it's forward momentum on anything. And then there's other days where I'm just like, I, why are we even here? Like, who, who are we mm. Right. What is even the point? Yeah. 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 And, and you know, to who is it that said uh, the leader's the calmest person in the room? Do you remember that was? It was Amy. Was a, yeah. It was Amy. Okay. Um, Amy Caldwell, right? The, Amy Caldwell. A couple episodes back. Mm-hmm. And and I've been thinking a lot about that. And like, as a leader, it's our job to be calm in this. And there's some balance there. Like, hey, we're going to get through it. This is our plan. Uh, and we don't have all the information. And sometimes I freak the fuck out, but mm-hmm. here's why I have reason to be optimistic. Here's how we're going to sort through it. And this is what our plan is. And I think those, com- the communication can be both the calm and the relatable fear. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, kind of has to be, but. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think you can still be calm. Um, you, you shouldn't be hiding your feelings, at least not all of them from, from your team, from your reports. Um, and, you need a partic- you need an approach to getting the sort of support that you need, uh, and you need a place to discuss your own misgivings. And I think that a lot of people don't have that right now. I think yeah. that in places where the leadership chain is poor, you don't have someone above you that you can talk to in confidence about your yeah. misgivings and and uh, and acknowledge theirs. You should be having those conversations upward, though, in your management structure if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, just like when you're dealing with someone who's really, really ill, you don't put any of your suffering on them. You talk to them about their suffering and whatever it is they want to talk about. And then you yeah. move that outward in the circle. I, I think there's a particular approach that I'm describing here that has a name and I, I don't know what it is, but where you mm. put all of the, all of your weight outward yeah. um, to, to take the weight away from the person that's having the most problems. So I, I think that this should work this way uh, in management as well, in leadership. You should yeah. be pushing your misgivings up uh, up your management chain. Um, yeah. But and, and you said something else, like you're telling your team maybe you have a plan or you want to have a plan, and it's impossible to have a real stable plan right now, right? You, you yeah, should have more of a forecast based on the data you have. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the hardest part is this is changing so fast. You know, what the executives team plan was three weeks ago is different than what it was, you know, a week after that. And, and it's, it's, we're trying to every week sit down and plan. And as we gather more information, we have a longer plan and hopefully it closer and closer matches reality. But yeah, it's, you know, like everything decision-making in life, you want 100% of the information before you make a decision, but you have 10% of the information. Yeah. You have to make a decision anyways. This uh, is why I am not good. I'm not good executive fodder. I, uh, at least not the sort of, uh, you know, startup executive fodder. I don't, I'm not a risk taker. I can't, I have trouble when I don't have a significant amount of the information that's needed. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I am very uh, impressed with folks who can move forward. And I also think that, to some degree, in my mind, those folks are a little bit sociopathic. They have to be. Mm-hmm. Like, to make decisions that affect people's lives like that without the right amount of information. It's like being a brain surgeon. You have to have a bit of a God complex. Maybe just a tiny bit. 
Yeah. Uh, but that's the thing I don't have. It, it all weighs too yeah. much on me. So if you have that ability <laughs> to, to, uh, to compartmentalize away the potential suffering, that is useful in times like this. Yeah, there's um, there. I, I think there's definitely something to there's certain personalities that do these things because there's a certain disconnect from reality that's required to be successful in them. Yeah. And uh, it's it's yeah, I, I mean, I would say if you're an employee in an organization, know that your leadership is trying to if they're competent people do right by you. They're not all competent people. <laughs> Some of them, some of them are just assholes, full stop. But for most people out there, that I, wait, have wait, this is interesting. Sorry, sorry, I want to interrupt yeah, you. Yeah, go ahead. Your 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 two extremes are asshole and competent. Asshole Not, and 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 empathetic. Uh, so there are competent you can be a competent assholes. asshole. Yeah, yeah, sure. And I think sure. there's a lot more of that than you're potentially uh, acknowledging <laughs> at the moment. You're right. I'm, I'm oversimplifying into two buckets that are maybe not connected to reality, but yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm I saying mean, if if you're a if you're an employee at a company with leadership that you believe cares about you, mm. and whether or not they do, again is is another story. But uh, just like have some empathy for the fact that they're trying to do right and they're trying to plan and they're trying to take care of things, but it's really hard to plan right now, right? And mm -hmm. if you're a leader. Understand that your people are sitting there saying, all I want is some assurance of the future. And you're going to have to go provide them some assurance of the future without all the information. And, uh, you know, those are those are two sort of opposite ends there. And uh, you're going to have to make plans that are, you know, in line with some of that. The fact that we don't know where it's going. When you so you're 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 an executive, um, and you meet you're saying you're meeting regularly with your with your team like every day, pretty much. Um, well, yeah, most of that's just shoot the shit so we can keep each other sane. It's not business updates daily, but yeah. Oh, okay. Ahead. But when you're doing the business updates, you have everyone comes to the table with like, here's, here's the information about the, uh, the, the behavior of the virus, the current stats. Like, do you come to it from that level of information? Are you um, using data that you're getting from elsewhere about the progress of controlling the virus to make decisions or is it something else? No, so and and I want to be careful about commenting specifically on sure, what you're on doing, what you're just doing. because yeah, just because it 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 you know I, I have a plan for how we're addressing this right now. We sure, sure. I, I mostly want to right talk, now, and it may change. Yeah. I mostly uh, want to talk but, about how it is you're going about this discussion around things like right. are people coming to the table with stuff they read on the internet, or is there one person whose job it is to kind of coalesce? the data that they're getting and bring it to the table as a useful input to your decision-making process. I mean, some of it's, you know, some of it is uh, the the board with a broader understanding of what's going on with other companies and how other executives are thinking about it saying, Hey, this is, these are the things I think we need to consider because these are the things we're seeing across other companies, right? That's mm -hmm. part of it. That's where a, a significant percentage of our input comes from these people who have a macro level view, right? We, we have, we have maybe the biggest view of our company. Uh, mm -hmm. But there are people out there who seem to have a sort of greater grasp on the industry or the economy in general, or how investors are thinking about things like there's all of those pieces, right. Um, but then there's also like, like part of the information we're trying to gather is uh, what kinds of companies are affected by this? And how's that going to affect our bottom line? What kinds of our customers are affected by this? Who's booming? Who's failing? Who's caving in? How mm -hmm. much can we sell? How much can't we sell? How long is it going to be before we can sell? You know, like all of these things are just questions that like 
there's just so many moving parts that, uh, you know, our plans one day change sometimes the next day. And so, you know, you, you have to be, you have to be a little bit conservative until everything looks great. You know, if, if we all knew we would all be back at work and restaurants would be in business and travel mm-hmm. industry would be letting people get on airplanes, then we could map, okay, these customers are going to be affected until this time and we need to make these plans. Right. But, uh, but it seems like, uh, if you, you know, for lack of a better set of information to make decisions with, it might be a good one. One approach to this might be to do what you do when you sit down with your um, with your financial planner and you make a plan that's like, here's the high risk plan. Here's yep. the medium plan. Here's the, oh, my God, no risk ever plan. <laughs> Hi, that's where I come from. Um <sighs> <laughs> or so, the or the here's the best case middle probably right. realistic and, exactly. and worst case scenarios and like how yeah. along those timelines perhaps just envisioned you might you know you might make different decisions based on information coming in that's some kind of framework for making that decision anyway on a quarterly normally you do this on a, maybe a quarterly basis but perhaps you're doing it on a every other day basis at the moment yeah, I mean, we're definitely making best case, worst case, and and probably realistic plans, right? And yeah. then trying to make decisions based on those things. And I think probably most companies are doing something like that. Uh, and, um, you know, again, it's just there's, – there's just so many moving parts and it's so different than anything we've seen that it's really hard to plan. And uh, we're trying to – you know, I can say we're trying to do right by our people and try to make decisions we think are best for the – like – individual as well as the company right and uh and those are really hard things to weigh in the midst of this when you don't know everything but um that is definitely true i uh i was trying to think of any anything that i'd gone through in in terms of a leader that could even be remotely mapped back to this and the only thing i can think of is when the the dot-com bust happened in you know around mm-hmm. the 2000 time frame and when that, you know, that wasn't the kind of calamity that this is where people's healths are, you know, literal lives are at stake it's in such a large uh, way. But it, it was a similar situation where people were going to get laid off, people were going to get cut from the companies, and people who were behind had to help make those decisions or, um, you know, felt guilty about remaining behind. A lot of people came into the tech boom and learned html and very little else and didn't have something else to fall back on there was a lot of like you know people becoming massage therapists and going into other you know yoga practitioners and uh going into recruiting that was a big thing then and that is part of one of the recruiting bust uh turned into a boom Uh, but the feelings are similar in the sense that some of us who got to keep our jobs didn't you know didn't understand or didn't didn't know how to process that. And I, I think there's yeah. some similar stuff there, whether or not well, it's so, worth discussing. Yeah. Well, so that's, that's the, the topic I wanted to go back to and give me just a second because I have children screaming in the other room that I think the mic is picking up and I'm going to go I can hear them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry. So yeah, I have, have to get up and walk away from the mic and probably I'll leave some of that in, although I'll cut out the long pause where I go and ask them to be a little bit quieter while we record. This is very real right now. Everybody's kids are home. Um, the uh, <laughs> No no wasps the, landing on dogs though. That's, 
that was that was highly amusing. We did try to uh, adopt a dog, and we found there's a there's a prison training program in Colorado, and we found a dog we wanted, and we called, and they're like, "We are closed until the government says we are essential services," and we're like, "No." Wait, a, a prison uh, training program? Yeah, so it's basically like a way for inmates to bond with an animal, have oh. a specific thing to work towards. So the inmate trains the animal for a certain amount of time, and then they adopt the dogs out. And so it's good for the inmate. It's good for the animal. Um, wow. It seems like a cool idea. I mean, I I don't know. It'd be interesting to talk to someone who's been in that program and is like, they gave me 50 dogs over 20 years, and I'm so attached to all these dogs. And oh, it was my miserable. God. You know, I don't my know. immediate but, nerd response to that is like, do they X-ray the pet afterwards to make sure that, you know, they didn't send you a message from the, the jail <laughs> from, like break <laughs> I don't me think out. these are uh these are like you know high maximum security prison kinds of situ I assume that's not the case but I don't know I um don't know. okay so so what I wanted to bring up and what I started to say earlier before I got very distracted midway through my sentence and felt very disappointed in my inability to hold a thought um Keep together, was, Kendall. <laughs> <laughs> so this the, the conversation about the economic versus life cost Right. So this is what I wanted to get at. So I was talking with a friend of mine and and who who has just this very hard line. It's absolutely about life. It doesn't matter how bad the economy gets. We care about life and everything else goes on hold. And I completely get that argument. I don't for for clarity, I don't know where I land quite entirely with this. Uh, but that, you know, my response was a little bit like easy for you to say you're in a very stable industry where you have a job and you're going to be just fine. And some of the things that I've been thinking about as I've been listening to different podcasts about this or whatever, and, and a couple people in my life is like, you know, there was this person talking about Alcoholics Anonymous on Reply All, right? Like, mm -hmm. uh, this is a community that depends on community. We need to be in community with one another. And can we do this via Zoom? Maybe, but there's probably going to be a lot of people who haven't had a drink in a long time that are at home drinking alone this right now. This is a very stressful time. Yeah. Yeah. And like, um, and I have a couple of friends who are dealing with some of the worst situations in their lives, you know, just because the economy goes on hold doesn't mean that everything else in life goes on hold. And I have uh, two friends I can think of right now who more than anything in the world, what they need right now is a hug. Right. And like, yeah. And instead they're isolated somewhere away from their families or away yeah. from their normal support structure and they have no way to connect back to it. And their friends can't even come out and just provide support. You can't just go get a beer with somebody and have a conversation and say, I'm sorry, man, this is shit. Right. Like, so there's, there's, there's some middle ground there. Like I go try to, you know, I'll ride my bike across town and walk a dog with someone six feet away from them. Uh, you know, and, and hopefully that's not too much exposure. Hopefully that's a relatively balanced thing. I don't know. We're all trying to come up with our standards of what's mm -hmm. right. Right. Yeah. And, um, but I just think like there is a, there is a life cost wrapped up in the economic cost. And I don't know what that is. And I'd be curious where people have thought about that balance we want to lean very heavily towards life. In theory, at some point, this economy does turn right back on and we keep going. In theory, huge, mm -hmm. huge air quotes. Um, but like so, in the meantime, there are people who are hurting because they aren't in community. And the one thing they need right now is that, you know? So I want to I want to understand. So your your original question was, was comparing life versus the economy. And that's based on the sort of general idea that we uh, the administration is choosing to a large degree to uh, provide financial support and shoring up to the economy versus giving support and money and health care directly 
to people. Is that kind of where you're coming well, from? Well, I'm that? saying even more simple than that. We could all just go to work and act like this isn't a virus that matters and let the people die, die, right? I, I and see. I have another okay. friend on the far end of the spectrum that's like, the people who are going to die from this are the kinds of people who aren't giving anything to society anyways. We should let them die. And I'm like, Ugh. well, that's a little, you know, far for... That's, I mean, that's but okay. even that's if that were true, those people are going to be... And, and you're talking about pe both people who are maybe um, on financial assistance or unable to work for some reason or whatever, are, are using resources in that way. But are you also talking about people who are not taking this seriously and are uh, hanging out in groups and, and doing other things that are not currently advised? Uh, I mean, I don't know what all the sliders are there. That's I'm just saying like- you, That's there, a big mood board. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's there's a way to respond that is, hey, everyone go home and stay in your homes and be as safe as possible. And I get that. And I completely understand the arguments about it, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's the, well, we need, just all need to act like this doesn't matter and go back to work because the economic hit is way too, okay. you know, like what what's what was Trump's words? The the cure can't be worse than the, the disease, right? Yeah. And, and I think that's too far. Like, obviously, that seems too far the, the other direction. And I'm curious how we balance the things in between when we turn back on pieces of the economy when we turn yeah. back on like and, and how we think about that because there's um i think there are people who are really 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 going to take a very long time to recover from this and uh emotionally if, if they recover from it yeah i mean i think there are people who are going to die as a result of this uh, you know being on pause economically they're going to die from that oh, and not from the disease but are, from like hunger right. or homelessness or yeah okay okay i or, just want to make sure i understand what you're drunk saying at home in their living room yeah, yeah and i yeah. imagine those numbers are much less than the virus like don't get me wrong i, I do not understand what these numbers are or how these sliders work mm -hmm. i'm just saying i think it's an interesting thing that uh Probably there are people who have a rubric for understanding this, and I'd be really interested in you know understanding where are the places because I know there's places in life where we're we're wrestling with the economic cost versus the life cost, and uh, you know where is that delta? And uh, I imagine it's substantially more in one direction than the other, but I'm curious to understand how people think about it. Well, I think that there are people who are gathering that data and are uh, analyzing. Uh, the trends in in the propagation of the virus and people dying and where there are bigger hotspots than others and all of those things uh, and comparing them to models based on what happens if we remove this from the economy kind of thing. Uh, it's just that there are so many variables that you you kind of have to you have you oh, probably yeah. have way too many sources of data to choose from versus not enough data in some ways. Um, so. If this administration were uh, capable of taking on that kind of data, uh, were at all interested in figuring that out, uh, which I'm not sure that it is, we would probably be making that call on a weekly basis at a national level. Um, it is true that there are places where things are way more dire than others. Like in New York City sounds really terrible right now. I have a friend who lives in a studio apartment in Manhattan and he can't get, you know, it's not like this is a huge deal, but he can't get uh, any food delivery now. Uh, there's only one wow. tiny grocery store in his neighborhood. This is across, literally across the street from where Yoko Ono lives. Like it's a, mm -hmm. a fancy area right yeah. next to, uh, next to the park. And he, uh, he can't get food delivered. He cannot uh, get any groceries from anywhere. Um, it's his little tiny grocery is very picked over. He can't, he can't do laundry. All the laundromats are closed. He can't get, uh, all the little drugstores around him are closed. Like it's getting worse and worse and no one is going yeah. outside. 
Right. Um, I think, and, and it sounds like that the hospital situation there is extremely poor. Uh, it, it's going to be different there than in my tiny town of 10,000 people with a very big medical center. Um, yeah. Things are going to happen more slowly here. They're still going to happen. There are still cases in my county. But right. uh, so how the lockdowns apply is going to be really hard to manage, right? I think it's going to be difficult for someone at a national level to say, everyone must wear masks when you leave your house. Right. Like it doesn't make sense yeah. for some people. Well, if you don't run into people when you leave your house, then why would you do that? But you yeah. you also can't rely on the average person to have common sense, apparently. So where's the line? Oh. <laughs> There's so so what's interesting about that is um just in the last couple of weeks, a number of friends of mine, uh, you know, Chinese friends that still live in China have reached out and said, you know, this morning I got one. Hey, I hear things are really bad in America, that everyone's dying. Are you okay? I'm worried about you. You know, and I'm I'm a little like well, you know, maybe I'm overly optimistic about things. Maybe things are a lot worse than I understand. Also, I'm sure that it makes sense for the government of China to play up how mm-hmm. poorly we're responding, you know. Uh, and, um, you know, it's it's an interesting situation to be getting these messages of like, are, are you are you dying? Is everybody dying? It sounds like everyone in America is dying, you know, and mm-hmm. and I and and and. There's some there's some things about the way our society is, you know, compared to China. We have a tremendous amount of land and very few people, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the distance between me and my neighbor is, you know, it's very easy to stay six feet away from them. I live on a you know third of an acre, right? So it's not it's not huge, but it's not tiny either. And uh, you know, compared to a high rise, it, it makes sense that New York is experiencing what it's experiencing. Yeah. It makes sense to me that Wuhan experienced what. Wuhan experience, you know, if, if you can't go to the grocery store and come back without touching 20 other surfaces that five other people, 500 other people have touched, you know, um, mm-hmm. but you're, you're also so it, it, likely to infect a ton more people. Like, I, I wonder if the level yeah. of author- authoritarianism necessary to control something like this is much, much higher when you have so many people in a closed space. Like, is it okay to, to Maybe. suddenly lock everything down, have, some level of martial law or Martian law or Marshall's law or, you know, uh, but is it, uh, at what point is there a, is there a curve that we could fit this to where like, well, if there's this many people and they're uh, everyone else they're around is likely to be impacted by, you know, also yeah. catch what they have where <laughs> this is why it's not easy to be a leader right here. You, you, oh, yeah. you have, you have this philosophical decision that is wrapped up in people's lives. How much A to B, like you must do what I say, leadership is required in these situations. Well, and and Americans are going to say no. Like Americans were taught from the youngest age to say, well, I don't know if I believe your data. You're not the boss of me, except that rather than everyone being free, everyone is subjected to being an employee of someone and having to depend on them for health insurance and, a living in general and on, uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, so much of I'm this is only as healthy as, as the dumbest church gathering exactly. leader is willing to keep us. Well, I like, I love that neither of us are actually drinking right now, but it kind of sounds like we are. Um, but yeah, <laughs> this, this situation really does. You know, a lot of people are beginning to beginning to, a lot of people are really seeing the, the problem with late stage capitalism, right. Is yeah. that no one's free because everybody is, caught up in this institution 
Um, They think they're free. They think that they're making their way. They're temporary (laughs) embarrassed bajillionaires, but that's not really what's going on here. Um, well, and and not to say that uh, I necessarily think the Chinese model is the right model, I, but but uh, one of one of those friends that reached out to me did say um, his message was very brief. Kendall, I'm worried about you. I don't think your government is authoritarian enough to weather this storm. Oh my gosh, I can't <laughs> I believe that's actually what they laughter. said. Oh, oh yeah, really... but that's the very question I was just asking, right? You. Oh yeah. yeah. Now, if if uh, if we trusted our our uh, federal government, perhaps it would be a little better if they were they acted yeah. in a more authoritarian way at the moment. Well, but right now, I, I'm not sure. Well, and that's the thing is we're not comparing authoritarianism to capitalism. We're comparing competent authoritarian leadership to totally incompetent democratic leadership, right? Like in a in a capitalist society, like it's, sure. it's very different. Like if we had a Democratic leader that we had tremendous respect for. And okay, even if we didn't respect them, we at least believed that when they opened their mouths, what they were saying was true. Uh, how would things be different? And it, it it sure feels like the impact would be enormous just with that change. Yeah, to me, just asking, obviously, there's tons of gray area here, right? Especially when human lives are involved. Um, but I, I'm more just generally considering the question of authority. I, I am anti-authoritarianism. And I think most of the people who are, have been on this show are also anti-authoritarianism and hate wielding their authority for the most part. It's a, it's generally an uncomfortable burden. Um, yeah. and it's generally considered a bad thing. Uh, but I, at, at this point, we are asking this question is, is it how much authority is, is reasonable here? Is it as much as is needed? It's that same question. Is it lives or the economy, except that it's, do we have to listen but, to what somebody says? Uh, and you're taking it even further. Is it? It's because we don't believe them. We don't trust them. If well, we did believe or trust them, hmm? you can earn authority without being in a position of leadership, right? Mm-hmm. And there is a amount of earned authority that this administration has does not have. Yeah. And so, uh, would a would a leader that people trusted, and this is America, there's no such thing as a leader that everyone would trust, right? Like, just, <laughs> oh, just period. And, I'm so uh, jaded. Oh, yeah. But, like, if if there's a leader that has earned the trust of the people and is making decisions, uh, then they have more authority to make decisions like this than a person who does not have anyone's trust. And, uh, you know, that's part of it is some people are reacting because they don't believe some people are like, there's just, it's just unbelievable how, how messy it is. And that's because there's nobody with authority. In a position of power. Yeah. 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 Well, that is all, you know, super depressing. We've been thinking about this a lot. Uh, (laughs) So, so I want to go back to what what things we're doing to try and make life yeah. survivable uh, with the, the the explicit understanding that we understand that our lives are considerably better than the, the lives of many at the moment. Um, yep. What a, a question that you asked earlier uh, before we started recording is: What are you listening to, watching, reading, or drinking? And I wanted one really weird benefit to me of having been uh, part of this crisis is that uh, my favorite restaurant in town here uh, has gotten, and I think 
Washington has made this possible for many restaurants. They're now able to sell their liquor by the bottle. They do, they're doing uh-huh. bottle service, which is not something that they did before. And they published a list of their pretty good bar. And I, uh, I just moved to this town a year ago and we got rid of a ton of alcohol before we left because we didn't want to move it. Uh, we're just about to move into a new house where we will have room to have a bar. And so I spent far too much money buying this restaurant's bar. And so every night since then, uh, my husband has made me some new wacky cocktail and that has made a big difference to my ability to chill out and go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I recommend cocktails as a way to weather the storm if that is a thing that appeals to you. Um, and if you can yeah. use it in uh, appropriate moderation without destroying the lives of people around you. Fuck you, Kendall. <laughs> moderation. <laughs> right now. No, no. I understand. <laughs> you're completely right. There's uh, a different level of but moderation. Oh my God, you're not my dad. You respond well to it. That's right. You're not my real dad. I said that to my kid the other day and he looked at me like, huh? Oh, that's <laughs> You're not my real dad. Um, there's... Yeah, I mean, what else besides besides alcohol? What are you watching? What are you reading? Or what are you playing? If it's video games, what's keeping you happy? Well, I, I am sure this is uh, no surprise to anyone. Um, the uh, the advent of taking of playing role playing games online has been a thing for a while, and this is uh, it's 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 outrageous. I'm in three different remote D and D games. Actually, one of them is a um, called uh, Starfinder, which is a, a D&D in space, basically. Uh, hmm. And it's it's great. It's a great... I've always found D&D... I always play like meathead, soldier type, paladin, something that something that smashes other things, essentially. And it helps me a lot uh, to uh, to get... That's, maybe that's how I'm getting out my anger, is by Smashing. crushing things what deserve it um, yeah. as in, in D&D. So that's another thing that's been super helpful to me personally. Uh, if you haven't tried that kind of thing before i recommend roll20.net and following them on twitter for um uh, for ideas of what groups to watch a lot of people do streaming of their games which is also can be hugely entertaining so that's worth uh worth it and then um i have been watching and this is a show that uh my husband and i watch before we go to bed anyway because it's a great way to chill out before going to bed we watch a show called murdoch mysteries which is a, a Canadian show set in the late 1800s. Um, and it is, it's uh, kind of a police procedural. Uh, I, I won't say more than that. It's really cheesy and, and not stressful. Definitely recommend. It's funny at times. You get really attached to the various side characters. Most of them like last throughout many, many seasons of the show. The show is like, I don't know, 12 seasons, 15 seasons long. Sure. It's still on, I think. So. You're not going to sure. run out yet. Good. Mm-hmm. What um, about you? Well, so one of our engineers suggested, uh, and I I wrote it down, and now I can't pull it up. Um, suggested a podcast that. Oh, I have it here. Yeah, the, yeah, the Sony Music there. Podcast. That one. Staying no, in. It, yeah, staying in with Emily and Kumail. Yeah. Um and it's. It's hilarious. Uh, I, I cannot suggest it enough. Like, like burst into laughter out loud multiple times over a very long, you know, they're just talking about being stuck inside and uh, there's, there's helpful information. There's a lot of hilarity. It's, it's the lighthearted escape that we need right now. So is, it, is that Chameleon Johnny? 
Or, yeah, the, oh, yeah. The, I don't... the famous actor from Silicon Valley and a whole bunch of other. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, highly suggested that um, I am watching and reading things that take place as on beaches. Uh, I think I think I said that, and then otherwise exercising like an idiot as much as my legs will carry me. I will bike and uh, run, and when my legs need a break day. You're smashing things in a video game. I'm going out and hitting my heavy bag as hard as I can. Mm. Uh, and uh, yeah, the exercise is keeping me sane. Going on lots and lots of walks with the kids. And right now it's gray and dark and it's going to snow all day tomorrow. And that's depressing. But it's been sunny and beautiful and we've been living outdoors. So. Oh, it's going to snow tomorrow. Well, that will be fun. Hopefully. I mean, when you get like four inches of snow, six inches of snow, it's fun because you can sled or build snowmen. When you get like an inch and a half, it's just kind of annoying. Uh, mm-hmm. especially if it's wet snow, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I've been going on a few walks around here. It's been pretty as well, except for today. Um, but yeah, there, I know a lot of folks can't actually, they're not supposed to go outside at all, and that really sucks. I feel bad for them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Well, TV. my parents really want to be visiting, and uh, mm-hmm. that's hard because I'm like, I don't know if that's a good idea right now. No, it's but, not uh, a good I idea love to see my parents so it's, it's yeah and for you who need a hug zoom meetings are just not gonna cut it right no they don't cut it they don't cut it i'm i'm no. putting my phone away and and not doing a lot of a lot of people are doing nighttime zooms i actually have one right after this with a couple of friends that i haven't caught up with in a while but i was like uh-huh. please do it before late at night because i can't I, I don't i sit in front of my computer all day long on zoom i don't want to mm-hmm. in my spare time walk back in and sit at my computer and get on a zoom that does not sound fun to me i don't know i said this on twitter the other day and i actually got a lot more uh responses about it than i thought i would and it is that in this time like it seems like everyone wants to be on it like have zoom happy hours and parties and stuff and i'm like i i really don't want to be performatively normal on camera right now i it's yeah you know, I, I'm probably okay, but I also feel really weird all the time, which I think a lot of people are feeling weird. So yeah. like, I like the idea of it, but I also don't want to do it. <laughs> so yeah. it makes, I, I get it. you know, it, yeah. Anyway, folks, you should do what, uh, <laughs> do what helps. Do what, do what helps. Do what helps. Ask and for, your, for help if you need it. Video, going for walks, sit six feet from your neighbor and have a beer. There's somebody who goes down. There's a creek that goes through our neighborhood. And there's uh, two women that pretty regularly I see sitting on opposite sides of the creek, having a beer, talking to one another. That's pretty uh, great. That's very yeah, if you can yeah. do that, you should totally do that. Um, and yeah, hopefully uh, you're getting the support you need, folks. Um, we will do our best to continue to talk about things that occur to us. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and good luck and hang in there. And yeah, maybe we'll have on some guests to talk about leadership in crisis. 